if you want to start preparing your cup here, I know there's kind of a three-step process here as you start doing that. I think each and every year the Advent season gets more enjoyable for me personally, just seeing each week as it builds up. And uh, I just want I just want to clear my road out, don't you? Yeah. I want to get that ready. I don't want the Holy Spirit to have a bunch of detours. I don't want to encumber His work in my life. And I want to be just wide open for God to do the work. You know, you look at these construction sites around town, there are a few of them. But you look at those roads and they start clearing those things out, it starts to create some problems and traffic issues and stuff. And in our life, we think when God starts moving in our life and we start clearing things out, it creates some detours. It absolutely will create detours in your life. And God will get you into different traffic. He'll get you into different rhythms. But it's all for the greater good and it's for his glory because he wants you to become more like him. Shall we, shall we take these together? The bread, which represents his body, and the juice, which represents the blood. Shall we partake? Father, we thank you that when we do this today, we do it in remembrance of you. And it's not just a distant memory of that was a great thing he did. The work of the cross not only covers our past, it not only covers our present, but the blood of Jesus Christ covers the future. And so, Lord, we thank you that even our future, you declare it is finished. The things that we don't know about, the things that we're worried about for tomorrow and next week. And, Lord, we declare today and thank you that everyone in this place that we rest in the palm of your hand. And Lord, we just thank you for the joy that the sacrifice that you did for us that brings us, that the poor can say that they are rich, and the weak can declare today that they are strong. So we take these promises today that are represented in communion, not just the forgiveness of sins, but a complete turnaround in our very lives. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. Kiddos, if you wanted to head downstairs, Miss Ann, my favorite person in the world, is going to teach you today. I'm going to use this. I can't sit down. Dennis, you're going to have to pray over this thing here. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're back? The small of my right back, yeah. The small of your right back. All right. We're going to really get it now. Hey, babe, you can return the favor. Right? I know, right? Awesome, Father. We just lift Steve up to you right now, Lord Jesus. And through his words, uh, the future and uh, everything that Steve has said today, Lord Jesus, we invite the Holy Spirit into his body, Lord. We pray for healing right now, Lord Jesus, that this work coming through all of us, Lord Jesus, will heal his back, Lord. We rebuke any pain that he may have in his, his body right now, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is overtaking him, Lord, and we just praise and thank you for the healing as it begins in his body, Lord. We thank you for any healing that you can bring to all of us, Lord Jesus, standing together in your name. 
So we're preparing our hearts to meet the Savior today. Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. It's pretty awesome we can build each other up, isn't it? I say let the work begin. I heard a great quote this week. You know, it's kind of funny when you're sitting on your duff all week, you you can find things to read and do, can't you? I I was telling the fellows in there, I got to watch The Lone Ranger this week. I watched Little House on the Prairie. I got to watch Rocky Three. I mean, it's been an amazing week for me. I just got to be honest with you. But um, I um, got to do some reading, too, and uh, one of my favorite persons to glean from on reading is Mike and uh, some business articles and different things like that that I was reading and uh, life skills, different things like that. It's just really good to, to hone in on those things. But I heard a quote that I, I hadn't heard before, and if you have, um, I was pretty impressed with it, and I had to share it with everyone. But I wanted to do this as far as preparing our hearts to meet the Savior. Um, Abraham Lincoln declared this. He said, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. And I love that because so often in life, we kind of just dive into things, and we want to fix things. And um, we were chopping down a Christmas tree this last week, and me and Hunter are charged with that responsibility, and Hunter brings the big hacksaw with down there, and it's like, I got it, Dad, got it, you know. So he'll, we'll start doing it, and we had a dull hacksaw, let me tell you. It was, we would sit there, and we're getting more and more frustrated, me and him, and I'm like, Hunter, do you want me to do it? And Hunter's just like me, he's like, no, I got this, Dad, this thing's going down. So I'm like, well, let me take it for a minute, and I'm thinking, I'm going to conquer this, this, what, three-inch wide bark. Let me get that, Hunter, I'll see. I'm a, and I'm doing it, and I'm like, you got it, you know, you're doing good. Get it home. I forgot I didn't have a hacksaw at the house, so I borrowed my neighbor's saw. So I go to Jim, the saw man. He's got a wood shop that he can build you furniture in 10 minutes with. And so I'm like, you have a saw? And he comes down there, and he's telling me how to use it. And I'm like, okay, great. So I get the saw, and it's the same problem. I'm like, Hunter, this is nuts. I mean, just give me a hammer or something. I don't know, but... Uh, it's, it's amazing that we don't use sharp tools. It's amazing that even in our own life, we could spend all our life trying to chop things down. How many have felt like you spent the whole day trying to get something done and you got nowhere doing it? In our spiritual life, our conditions and things, it's the same way. And so preparing the way, you say, well, how do we prepare the way for the Lord? How do I do it? What do I do? What can I do with my own life in order to prepare the way for the Lord? You know, you think of Christmas. I love it. I, you know, even in the church, Tanette and her team spent all this time getting ready for this to prepare for the season. At my house, you get ready. We take all the boxes. I mean, it looks like a moving truck has come to our house. You got tubs everywhere. You got tubs from Thanksgiving to move the fall decorations up. You got tubs from Christmas. You got to go here to get that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're preparing your house. Well, we have to prepare our spiritual houses for the Lord. And I love it. I want to have the same attitude like Abraham. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. 
my dad had a funny thing. I'll mess it up a little bit, but what his thoughts were is he was talking about instructions and spending the majority of the time reading the instructions. They're like, that's not really good. Then you can't read instructions when you do things. So it's a, I said, yeah, if you go to Ikea, you got to spend the first four hours reading the Ikea instructions, and then the rest, the next four hours putting it together. But anyway, number one is this. Put yourself in the doctor's chair. That's a tough place, isn't it? Heard this funny story a couple, week, uh, couple uh, walks into the dentist's office, and the husband is obviously in a hurry to get the procedure over with. Doc, he says, nothing fancy, no needles, no gas. Let's pull this tooth and get it done quick. The dentist is surprised by the man's stoic approach. I'm impressed. I wished all of my patients had your courage. Now, which tooth is it? And the husband turned to his wife and said, show him your tooth, honey. (laughs) Put yourself in the doctor's chair. How many love pointing fingers at the other person? That person needs a doctor over there. Now look at that person's problem. They need the doctor, Steve. It is amazing to me in our lives, spiritually, how we have come up with our short list of the most needed doctor people around here. We need a doctor. I found out real quick that there was really nothing I could do with my back myself. Now there are certain things I could do to help or whatever and manage things, but how many of you know you can't operate on yourself? By going to the doctor, here's what happens. We come to Jesus and we face the facts. The reason why we reached out our hand and said, I need Jesus in my life, I need a Savior, is because I've made a mess of my life. Can I get an amen? Amen. How many of you, you made a mess in this house today of your life before? You can raise them higher, some of us are like... (laughs) Some of us are only counting like two dollars, it's about as bad here. No, you were a mess! And you need the doctor's chair. And some of you today are a mess right now. And you need the doctor's chair. Think of the context of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, out of the wilderness, a prophet, yelling, declaring, make straight the way of the Lord. In today's church, That kind of talk, that kind of conversation doesn't work because it's not palatable to the society that we live in, this pluralistic, this everyone's okay. No, we need a doctor, and the reason that Christ came to earth was because we were in sickness, we were dead in trespasses and sin, and we needed hope, and we were hopeless. By going to the doctor, we're choosing to face the facts. I hope that our church is a body of believers that doesn't recommend doctors to other people, but that we recommend doctors to ourselves. And if we're recommending the doctor, we're the people saying, hey, I've been to this doctor and he's done really good for me. He's a great guy. Referring good doctors, isn't that a great thing too? You have a good doctor, you want to tell everyone. You have a bad doctor, you really want to tell everyone. Any bad doctors in Rockford? No, there's not, no. Rick. Lawrence writes in his book, Skin in the Game, he talked about the Stockdale Paradox. Jim Stockdale was an officer and prisoner of war, and the infamous Hanoi Hilton 
during the Vietnam War. He was imprisoned for, or imprisoned for 80, or I'm sorry, eight years from 1965 to 1973 and was relentlessly and ruthlessly tortured. But he survived the experience, and the way he survived has now been studied and taught around the world. It's called the Stockdale Paradox. The key to survival, as author Jim Collins frames Stockdale's experience, is this. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. So there's two things. When you're in the problems you're in, you must never confuse the fact that you will not prevail. You will prevail in the end. Turns to say, you're going to prevail in the end. And the other one you can't afford to lose is the discipline to confront the reality that the brutal facts of the reality of the things you're in right now, whatever they may be. How many have got some brutal realities you're in right now? You can't confuse the two. See, what happens to us is we get into a place where we're beat down or we've got problems and we think that there's no future and there's no hope. And the one thing that gave these guys hope and those tortured cells was the reality that says, we will prevail in the end. But that doesn't change the doctor's seat. We can lie about the conditions we're in. We can avoid it. You know, I can tell you today, I don't feel any pain in my leg. Nope, I don't. I don't feel any pain. No, I got pain in my leg, but thank God it's going away. Amen? So we can live in denial of the situations we're in. Or we can face the reality that we've been avoiding a doctor for a very long time. And his name is Jesus. And we've been running around playing religious games, talking religious talk, doing religious things. But we haven't gone under the knife to say, God, change me. We've had a form of godliness, but we've denied the power thereof. We can't give God permission to heal us if we don't admit the truth about the disease. And so God needs permission, believe it or not, by golly, He needs permission from you to heal you. Do you know that? God does not, even in all of His sovereignty, God doesn't barge down the doors and just start touching and healing people. I don't know if you realize this, but the story of people getting healed wasn't God just ultimately healing people. It was people that interacted. You saw the woman who had the issue of blood that touched him. You had the man who Jesus asked at the well of Bethsaida, and he said, do you want to be well? See, we have to give God permission to heal us. Turn to someone and say, give them some permission, will you? Many of us have looked for people or God to help us cope with pain. We love coping. Coping is a big word. Coping is important. I'm not... Denying coping, you have to cope with things, you have to work through things, you have to mourn things, you have to, you have to deal with stuff. Some things don't just go away, so don't, I'm not mocking coping, but what happens to us is, because of our coping mechanisms in life, we forget that we might just be able to have victory in those things. We have forgotten 
that God might be wanting to heal and said, you've coped too long, you've masked too long, now let's deal with it, now let's deal with the surgery of it. It's time for each of us, as David Burchett writes this, it's time for each of us to challenge ourselves to step up to the next level in Christ. Do you have anything, you don't have to show your hand or anything, do you have anything in your life where you say, you know what, I have settled in my life. You know, they've actually done studies, they've got studies for everything, don't they? Every scientific study. they got studies now where basically you have to exercise your brain because, you know, we just get where we're at and we just kind of mellow out. And do you know you can increase your propensities in your brain, pushing yourself to the next level? Most people kind of get to that mediocre level and they just stay at that place. The same thing happens in our spirits. The same things happen in our relationship with Christ. We've arrived to a certain level. We've accepted it. Now we're coping with it. We say, nothing changes, nothing grows, nothing will ever happen. I'm just waiting till heaven. Rebecca Manley Piper writes this, God is making us holy. But there's a requirement for learning how to submit to God's authority, and it's called humility. We won't get far in the development of holiness if we are defensive about our flaws. That is why holy people are so easy to be with. They've been around God too long to try to pretend they are perfect. They are the first to acknowledge their pride and their faults. Isn't that interesting? Holy people are the easiest people to get around. Think about that. We would think the opposite, wouldn't you? You would think the holy people are the high and mighty people. No, that's religious people. <laughs> that's legalist people. Holy people are people that are made holy because Christ is holy. They're made righteous. <clears throat> you won't see that on an NBC Nightly News tonight. Folks, I want to tell you something. God is at work. And the millions and millions of brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to be celebrating with them in heaven someday. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment. And as we prepare our hearts to meet the Savior, I don't care where you're at. I don't care what spiritual buttons you have that you get to wear. Today, maybe you just might be the person sitting here that didn't realize that you needed a doctor's chair. And that now you're coming to the grips with the reality of what you had to face. And just like the woman at the well who Christ so beautifully and carefully spoke to that woman and dealt with the sin, The great physician is speaking to you about those things right now through the power of the Holy Spirit and saying, let me heal that. Let me be your Savior. You can't save yourself. When you say here today that I'm going to sit in the doctor's chair and allow him to work in my life and to give me a new heart, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. And I don't have him. Today, if that's you, don't wait another moment. Just like the millions of people we saw on the screen there. Just like maybe the person next to you who came to Christ maybe as many years ago. But sat in that seat, that same seat you're in right now, and said, I need Jesus in my life. Not religion, not a church, not a name. 
Not a form of something, but I need Jesus. And you're declaring today that you need Jesus in your life as your Savior and as your Lord. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand today so we can pray with you. Today, maybe as a believer, God's preparing your heart for some things. And you're getting back into the doctor's seat, not because of a salvation issue, but because the road has got clouded. It's got messed up. And the doctor is here today to draw back the focus and the determination and the courage that you used to have. And you say, that's me today. Whether you've avoided the doctor and the pain continues, or whether now you're at the place where you mask it, and the game now is working around it completely, and you say, that's today me. And today God lovingly is speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit as your counselor, as your friend, is saying, don't wait any longer. Today, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, God's speaking to you there in that way. Don't wait. Don't mask it anymore. But allow God to heal you. If that's you, would you raise your hand, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I want us all to pray this together. As God heals, and as the great doctor would, the specialist would, he knows exactly needs to happen. And all you have to be today, you don't have to know how it's going to work. You don't have to figure God out. You just have to be open to healing. You have to be open to the concept of I'm tired of coping with this stuff. Now I want God to deal in my heart. I want God to change me. Today, let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I am open to the possibilities of you healing me. I allow you to touch me, to heal me. I open my mind to the possibilities of the future you have for me. Lord, I open my mind to the possibilities that my past is forgiven and that I can walk away from it. That I am no longer a sinner, but I am a saint. Lord, thank you that you call me friend today. And I allow you to do surgery in my life. Take what's wrong. Take what needs to be fixed. Restore what needs to be restored. And I rebuke you, Satan. I am not bound by you any longer. I am a child of the King. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a beautiful story comes through this as we're open to healing. And today, I don't know what it is, but if there are some people you want to talk to, pray with, make sure you just get it all sealed up. This is a good place. This is kind of like an operating room territory here, so don't just bolt out of here before if God's really speaking to you or talking. So maybe you just sit back and just 
Close your eyes for a moment. How dare we take a deep breath, right, in the middle of our busy lives? What a beautiful time to do all of that. But I love you very much. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. And, uh, boy, it's been good being able to stand here. Thank you. Tanette, thank you. So thank you, everyone. But um, I'm going to pray as we close this service and uh, just thank God for all he's doing. Lord, we thank you that you're at work in our lives behind the scenes. We thank you for those people that had the courage to say, I'm willing to get healed. We pray, God, that every step of the way in the journey, God, as you bring healing and restoration, God, that you draw things back into focus. We thank you, God, for giving them the strength to do that. And that, God, deciding to sit down and allow you to work in and bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name for that. God, I thank you that you make a way where there was no way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Bless all the families this Advent season. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you real good this morning. Thank you.